Welcome back to Trending in Education. Dan Trafford, Brandon Jones, Michael Palmer with you. And on this week's episode, we're going to talk about the latest news from the World Health Organization deeming video games something that you can, in fact, be addicted to. Uh, stories in the New York Times across other publications as well. Uh, we'll get into that off of our esports episode a couple of weeks ago as well. A good topic uh, to bring to the fore now. But first and foremost, I always like to get to know uh, what Brendan and Mike are up to. Brendan, how are you this week? I'm doing well. I'm, uh, I've been playing a lot of video games. Yeah. In preparation for this, uh, this, this episode, I was, I was testing to see if I could become addicted to games. Mm-hmm. We're talking Zelda. Out. What do we got going in your Yeah, world? it's Zelda. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Um, uh, no, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm good. This is a topic I, I actually do. I, I mentioned on the, on the pod before I, I do game uh, a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, I'm interested. I'm, I'm, uh, interested in uh, getting into it. And Michael, how about yourself? I'm good. I, I like games. I like disorders. Uh, and I like gaming disorders uh, to talk about, not to have, right? So uh, so I'm excited that we're having this conversation. And to your point, Dan, like, you know, we were kind of hyping uh, the potential uh, career paths and opportunities around e-gaming when we were talking to uh, Sean Swiderski a, a few weeks back. Uh, this is sort of the, the darker side. This is the counterpoint. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, we're trying to, trying to present a full, uh, full perspective on this, uh, this trend uh, and uh, looking forward to digging in on it. And Mike, it is something we talked about with Sean about parents who may feel their, their children are too dedicated to it. And Sean had, uh, not surprisingly, a positive spin on if they're good at it and can become a career. Uh, now, the World Health Organization coming out and saying that gaming disorder does uh, in fact, exist. It's uh, appearing in a new draft of the International Classification of Diseases. Uh, and this is something that will now, uh, New York Times headline, a little bit tongue-in-cheek, uh, from the basement to the doctor's office, implying gamers are, are in uh, their parents' basement, but hey, uh, implying that now that parents and gamers alike can seek help for this addiction. A high level, um, what do you think this means? Does this uh, legitimize that side of the coin, the parents' concerns, and, and what we've talked about in the past about the potential of becoming addicted to these sort of games? I think so, yeah. And, and I think it also uh, legitimizes the industry that's going to emerge to help kids and families curb their addiction. Um, and, and I think that'll be really interesting just to try to understand how that works. Because uh, at the same time, another thing we've seen, uh, and I think we've talked about on the show, is some of the therapeutic uses of simulations and gaming. So uh, like anything, uh, you know, it can be used for good, it can be used, uh, it can be abused. And um, uh, it's just pretty interesting to me that uh, gaming is now being equated with, uh, you know, like these sort of digital experiences are being equated with actual uh, substances that alter your uh, perception or actually build a physical addiction uh, and or impair your, your, your ability to perform. So, uh, so I thought that was pretty interesting uh, as well. I was trying to think what's, what's most similar to, to this in terms of disorders that we currently understand. Cause like, it's not maybe like Gambling addiction, I guess, is probably the the closest analogy. Yeah, they analogize to gambling addiction as an, another similar thing that they that is non substance related mm-hmm. that they actually also in this the same text produce as a report on as a as an addiction mm-hmm. um, and as something that is that's treatable. Yeah, but it it, it does your point, uh, Mike. You just made it, but just to, to state it again, you know, there's a doctor here from from Rutgers uh, Medical Center that's quoted. 
you know, talking about patients he's seen who have gaming addictions that are, um, I think his quote is that the, they are substantially similar to people who come in with, you know, drug and substance problems. Mm-hmm. Um, cocaine disorder is what he's, he's calling out here. Uh, that's pretty serious. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that it, when you think about it affecting you socially, uh, but also physiologically, um, that's, uh, that's, that's real. Yeah, uh, and and it's a real problem that hopefully we'll have some some real solutions. Yeah, and and a lot of the research of late has indicated that the the neurochemistry of these addictions are very similar to uh, other other you know known negative behaviors like you know gambling addiction, etc. And uh, in many ways, just like gambling is designed to keep people addicted, yep. many of these games are designed to to to, to keep people using them. Same thing, uh, it relates also a bit to social media addiction and screen addiction, uh, neither of which have been identified by who? The World Health Organization. Who? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, uh, but, but I would imagine there's probably more stuff like this. Right. Um, it seems part of like a macro trend of like, like digitally designed, like addictive experiences that uh, are, are, are particularly damaging to a certain type of person. And, uh, and then what, what is that actually going to mean for, uh, for doctors and healthcare professionals and um, parents and, uh, and then citizens, you know, kids? Uh, what's the right way to understand what, you know, when you might be having a problem? And, uh, and then how do you actually reach these people to intervene uh, when, uh, when it is, it's, it's kind of a cool thing to be doing, you know? Yeah. And I think the, um, uh, this, this is cited in the article as well, where we, uh, passed around the, the, the New York times article, as, as Dan said, the number of, of, of publications come out about with, with things about this in the last week or so. Um, what is the sort of causal relationship? You know, there is, um, other things that are more commonly diagnosed around anxiety or depression. Uh, for some people with a, discernible gaming addiction, that may be the cause of other related um, issues, or it may be the result of, and I wonder what risk there is of diagnosing and then treating the wrong thing. That Mm -hmm. if, in fact, it is something like depression or anxiety that's underlying um, your gaming addiction, uh, and you're only solving for the gaming, you may not be solving for uh, for enough. So Mm -hmm. I think that's a new kind of problem that comes out when you're trying to, to classify this specific kind of addiction that, um, that, that is, I'm sure, real, but I think it's probably inconsistent across people what the root cause is. Yeah, it's a really good point, too, because like, uh, I know in mental health, lots of times, uh, you know, people talk about dual diagnosis, where like, you know, you have a substance abuse, substance abuse problem, and then you also have mental illness. So like, maybe you're depressed or you're bipolar, and, and then you also develop other addictions while you're self-medicating. Um, I think that's a, that is interesting where like, what, what's the right way to go about this, uh, as like, a as a society, is it, do you, do you need to sort of address the underlying, um, problems in the individuals who fall prey to this addiction, or do you need to start regulating the gaming industries to make, uh, make the programs less addictive? Um, 
lot of different directions we could go, but uh, yeah, I think we should come back. We should come back to you in a second. The um, effectiveness of the game designers mm-hmm. uh, and think about our, what educational applications might there be of that. I think is an interesting sure. conversational thread for us. But mm-hmm. um, I did also want to call out from uh, from the article that um, so the, the U.S. is just sort of now getting around to this. That uh, in Asia, which there is, uh, it's a hotbed of, uh, of gaming activity. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are at least a couple of, of uh, Asian countries that are called out as having addressed this, including subsidizing of gaming addiction treatment centers um, for years now. Mm-hmm. So I wonder there's probably something, there's you know, some cultural uh, things we'd have to check to make sure that they translate, but there may be some things we can learn mm-hmm. uh, from, from people who've been sort of peoples who've been at it for a while. Yeah, I'm, just, um, I'm wondering if like the equivalent of like a methadone clinic, like we would give people Pong. Yeah. To play yeah. <laughs> incessantly uh, so that they would get so tired of the game. Right. They would, uh, they would go, go outside. Yeah. yeah. It's uh, many paths to go here. And I think you, you both have covered off on a lot to, to point out what Brandon was just talking about. South Korea is one of those uh, countries and it has uh, overnight bans on playing games from midnight to 6 a.m. for youth. So a certain age limit, uh, you cannot uh, play games. And that does introduce questions around uh, you know, it, uh, the intricacy of how the game is made, the, the parental controls, all those things here in the States that would need to be discussed uh, and how we have access to uh, different uh, gaming systems and different content and how those locks might go in place. Uh, Mike, you were ma- making mention before about the, the aspect of the social aspect of this, sort of how it does sort of play into social media and, and the like. And it's also now that it's much more mobile. Right. So over the past few years, we've seen this explosion. We, we may mention of uh, Fortnite and uh, PUBG, a player unknown battleground. Um, you can play on your phone. So not only are you playing on your PC when you're sitting there, but on the go, you're waiting for the bus, you're going to school, you're going you know, to the doctor's office, you're on your way to work as a 17 year old. You can still be immersed in that culture. Do you think that's just an accelerant here, sort of throwing uh, an accelerant on the fire that is the passion uh, some have for these games, leading to just that much more immersion that, that could be causing part of the, the uptick in what may be diagnosed as, as addiction? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's also these experiences are so rich that, like, you know, I, I, as, a, as a Gen Xer on, the, on this call, uh, I can, I, unlike some of my, my younger colleagues. Recently so. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, but like, I remember, and I, honestly, I, I think you guys remember this too, but, like, growing up, like, you were just bored a lot. And you were like, hmm, I'm bored. I need to do something interesting, different. Let me make up a game or let me, you know, go outside and uh, just, I don't know, do something outside because I'm bored. Now, it's so easy to never leave your home and be so deeply engaged in these virtual experiences that it's really unprecedented. And if anything, this is, uh, this is just the beginning. Like, it's going to start getting more and more difficult to, uh, to just deal with boredom. Because if you're bored, you're going to be like, computer? Take me to the holodeck. And then suddenly <laughs> it's like a, you know, it's a luau. And it's the neural link, right? The luau. luau. You're surfing. I can see how you like to party. Yeah, I like to surf. Yeah, when, I, when I was bored as a kid, I had, I had a tire swing. I, literally, this is true. <laughs> and uh, and I had a, there was a tree that I would swing because tire swings, most of them, I imagine, are connected to, to trees. Yes. Or something. Sure. Um, and uh, I would hit this tree with a stick. 
it was fine. I think it was fine. Like the tree was fine. It was a big tree. Like it was fine. Yeah. But um, like over and over and over again. Yeah. So this like that like, was it's like late adolescence. You're like 17, 18. At the yeah, time. I was like 25. Uh, <laughs> it's right before I moved out. He was there last week, Mike. Let's. Um, yeah, I was in Cleveland last week. Uh, the old tire swing. Uh, but like that's, you know, uh, that was probably it was fun. It was really fun. But um, that was a game I made up. Right. Uh, as how many times can I hit this tree with this stick? But I, I wonder, I, I think that there, that was a kind of, you know, to plus one in what you're saying, but that was a, it was a kind of a generative, creative solution to your boredom. Like, Hey kid, you have to figure it out. Like mm-hmm. you have to go do something. Right. Um, and uh, that doesn't, that's, there's fewer draws to that now because the holodeck can summon up your luau at a moment's notice. Yeah. And, and then even the creative, energy that we used to use in other sort of analog ways now can also be leveraged to sort of build levels in video experiences. And like, so like, even if you had a sort of creative orientation, like, uh, you know, Sean, uh, the, the esports guy we talked to a couple of weeks ago, like he wound up getting involved in Halo game development. So like, you know, you can really start to get so immersed in that world. Uh, you know, it's, it's like the folks who got into Second Life and forgot about their first life, yeah. you know? So yeah. like, and it, and it is a real thing for escapism uh, and, um, and even just understanding your identity. You know, now that, you know, in addition to like your social identity, there's also your gamer identity. And uh, that becomes very core to who you are. And uh, so much so that it can actually uh, become more important than uh, the part of your identity that goes to school and has, uh, relationships and, uh, and, uh, get some fresh air every so often. Um, it's really interesting. And then, and then Dan, to your point, the mobile angle, um, where, you know, I think it's a, it's a slightly bigger topic, but the, the whole notion of screen addiction, um, I, I suffer from it myself. Like I, I have trouble not checking my phone. Uh, I think we talked about it too, like research recently, uh, was shared around where, uh, your performance in a meeting uh, is at its worst when you're uh, using your phone. Uh, it's worse, uh, you know, next level worse is when the phone is on the table. Third level of performance impairment, which is getting better, is if it's in your pocket. And then the highest level of performance is if your phone is in another room. It's and, interesting. And, there, you know, and it's just sort of just the cue of like, eh, I'm bored, I'm gonna go to my phone is taxing to your, uh, your attentional system where like, do I go to my phone or not? Is actually impairing your ability to perform. Yeah, that's your, your operating system is running that process in the, in the background. Right. Exactly. Um, do, is, it, is a fourth and our fourth and fifth levels if you do not own a phone? <laughs> and then a fifth level being if you've never heard of a phone? Was well, it like peeking over someone else's shoulder? Like it doesn't have to have to be there. Like if someone next to you has their phone out, that has to be part of it. <laughs> that's probably, I bet, I don't think the research got into that, but I bet if you see a phone, on the table nearby. Yes. It probably is causing some sort of- It's moving you down in the levels of, uh, or up. It was, you're like the DEF CON, like where DEF CON <laughs> one is the worst. It's the worst, yeah. yes, yes. Um, yeah, that's, uh, that's, uh, that's interesting. And, and very, and very, I mean, there's, you were citing literature that, that, uh, that, that speaks to that, but that, that sounds also, um, that resonates with me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, and just imagine growing up you know, you start playing games when you're like five or six, you start playing these online games and uh, 
by the time you're 2025, like it can become a big part of your life. We even saw the positive side of that where like you could actually have a career path by the time you're, you're 20, you're getting involved in sort of the gaming industry. So there are, there is an upside, but there's also, uh, there's some dangers out there. And I guess, uh, you know, part of the idea of this show was just to try to round out our uh, portrayal of the, of the of the world we're living in. And I want to do two things before we we do the other things that other people might want to do. Um, <laughs> one uh, one I already alluded to, but I'll, I'll get to that in a second. Uh, in this article, the uh, the other thing, and and I'm not trying to throw shade here, so just uh, New York Times. You know, I I, I love you, New yeah. York Times. Um, they had these pictures from the Serenity Mountain Adolescent treatment branch of the restart internet and video game addiction center does in that, Monroe, Washington. Does that spell something? It might. And yeah. I certainly won't ever say that again. Cause it's just too many words. <laughs> you did well. I'm addicted to not saying that ever again. Uh, they had these pictures and, and you know, that's, it's, I think supposed to show the sort of the serenity and unpluggedness of them. Um, but the, uh, there was one that was a giant, uh, ch- life-size chessboard. Mm-hmm. Saw that. Uh, there was one that was a, a bucket with arrows in it, like that you would actually fire from an actual bow, yeah. which I think offered without context is kind of strange. Um, <laughs> and then uh, one with like a ring of chairs in the outside for like, to, let's talk about your, your, uh, your thumber bummer. Yeah. Um, and then uh, I, the one that was the worst, I think, is the sand tray therapy. So I'm not a therapist, but like it, I, I got to believe if I just want to be – if I'm Jones in, as I always am, yeah, well. to go play some games, uh, I might be cool with the life-size chess. Yeah. Right? Because that, like, that's a little methadone style. Like that, sure. that's That scratches that itch a little bit. Yeah. The sand tray therapy? No. Man. No. When, I'm, when it's my turn at the sand tray yeah. station, yeah. I'm really bummed out. Right. Yeah? Yeah. Uh, anyway, so, um, but uh, the, that was just a moment of levity in this. The, uh, the thing I, to, to, that I did want to get back to is, how effective, you studied this, Mike, but how effective game designers are at making this addictive. It's oh like God. how casinos make uh, people make, uh, design the games mm-hmm. and design the environment to, to keep people in the games. Um, I, I wonder if, uh, so one, um, good on you, video game designers in terms of uh, you know, improving on your key performance indicators. Is there, is this just too Pollyannish, but is there, is there a hope that we could apply that same um, really addictive uh, design for learning because uh, like, games are hard. You know, when mm-hmm. you when you play one of these games where you especially where you level up, like your skills are improving. They're hard. Zone of proximal development is not that different from learning. Actually, it is in fact learning. You're mm-hmm. learning a gaming skill. Yeah, could I, I? I think that really good course designers are already doing some of this, but I don't know that we think i know we don't uh we just speaking about kaplan here don't think about an analog of the gaming industry the gambling industry to say Mm -hmm. let's make this really addictive right is there a a not um uh is there a non-nefarious application of this that uh, to learning that could be good yeah i think so yeah i mean i I think like the and I, I think we're going to talk a little bit about, uh, you know, uh, blockbuster MOOCs and uh, which uh, which ones are uh, are drawing the the most uh, the most attention. Stay tuned for that. Yeah, that one's coming on a on an upcoming show. But uh, but it seems similar. Uh, you could you could sort of take a similar lesson from that. It's like what is that, what actually resonates with uh, with the audience, and are there ways to sort of incorporate these 
educational, uh, sorry, these entertainment hooks into educational content? I'd say absolutely. I just think the there's there's obviously a risk that uh, making it too uh, addictive a game can actually start to interfere with learning. Right. Um, but um, but yeah, I absolutely think it's uh, it's the right uh, it's the right angle for us to explore. I remember, um, and I keep on cutting you off, Dan. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna just let you jump in. Sorry about that. I'm gonna let you finish. Uh, the uh, one thing is I meant to say before about the idea of. Uh, Serial content, so things like Netflix and binge watching, I think plays in as well here. And to Brandon's point, I would use the word sticky. You want sticky content, stuff that addiction probably goes a bit too far and is not the word we, we want to go for when it comes to as addictive as uh, gaming here. But sticky content, I think, is definitely something that education can focus on. And the idea of uh, serial nature and come back for more and let's keep this conversation going um, and building environments that are uh, accepting and uh, dynamic uh, I think would be a big part of learning. Um, but Brendan, I, I do want to uh, hear what you're about to say. So what, what was... I was going to spoiler, um, spoil uh, Ender's Game. Do you remember that, that Orson Scott card book? No. I won't do it then. It's really good. You should read it. There's the movie uh, too, right? Recently? Yeah, I didn't see the movie, but I think there was Haley Joel Osmond. I, I feel like every child actor is that is that little boy. Um, was he a little boy? I don't know. Anyway, um, there's uh, there's an interesting application there of gaming and um, uh, non gaming pursuits. So it's sort of tricking the characters into thinking that they were just gaming, mm -hmm. and and I wonder if there's you know, again, I, this, this sticky versus addictive, I, I think you're right, Dan, that there's, there's probably, we should be thoughtful about the way that we talk about this, but um, trying to, if not overtly trick the, the player tr or the learner, sort of trick the mind a little bit into mm -hmm. thinking that, you know, what it's doing is just gaming when mm -hmm. in fact it's learning. I, I, if, if you're applying that in a, in a, um, uh, in a positive way, I, th I think it can be good. I remember you talking, I think it was at South by Southwest or one of, one of your fancy conferences yeah. you came back from uh, and you were talking about stealth learning. Sure was. And it's like, you know, it, when done well, you that, can. Yeah, that's the construct. Yeah. You can sneak up on folks. And, uh, and in, in fact, our listeners, we may have sneaked up on them today. We may they, sure have. They may have learned some stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? I do want to touch on one topic before we wrap here. And, and Brandon, I'll toss this one to you. We talked a bit about it at the top of uh, the education that can come out of this, meaning uh, doctors are going to have to be educated on it. Parents are going to have to be educated on it. What path do you see there? Like, do you see that as a, an industry unto itself? Or is this sort of just a niche of medical world and parenting and, and the like? I don't know. I, I feel like I've been uh, operating outside my ken for much of this pod. So I, I will, I will uh, choose not to do so here. I, I would assume it would just get folded into medical education, but, uh, but don't know. Mike, any thoughts there? I, th I think it's interesting that the kids who are going to get most addicted to gaming are going to be of a certain um, level of, uh, of affluence generally, uh, I would imagine, and, uh, and with access to like a safe place to play games all day. Uh, and uh, I think that'll be interesting just because like their parents will probably have the wherewithal to pay for beautiful spas in in uh, Malibu, which will, will curb them of their addiction. Um, I think it is interesting to also think about that uh, for for folks who maybe are are, uh, are less well served in terms of their ability to get treatment and uh, and even be diagnosed with this where like, 
you know, somebody, uh, maybe their parents are less involved in their lives and they just get yep. involved in gaming all the time. Um, they just might have a tough life because of that, but they are unlikely to get any treatment for it. So, um, and I, I guess maybe I would add one other thing, which just shows the importance of CME continuing medical education mm -hmm. that, um, the world changes Yep, and the needs of uh, patients in the world change. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, I, I think the last has not been written, uh, on this topic. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I'm actually interested to see where this goes as someone who, as I said, likes to play games and has a daughter who may like to play games and mm -hmm. you know um interested to see where this where this where this goes because uh, the world has changed enough to make um the who decide that we're gonna gonna call this out explicitly and um we'll see where this where this leads in a couple of years or a couple of decades yeah it's a it's a reminder that we're co-evolving with technology and that um you know, I think that I think that is pretty interesting because I wonder, you know, when uh, Gutenberg invented the printing press, was there uh, equivalent of a World Health Organization talking about reading addiction? Yeah. And how these books are everywhere and people are no longer getting out. Probably. I, that probably, probably happened. We just haven't discovered. Yet. Yeah. Yeah. I was hoping that was going to be a police academy reference, but the other Gutenberg. Oh. So uh, we will leave that episode, this episode here and leave Steve Gutenberg off the table for trending in education next week as alluded to earlier we'll talk about blockbuster MOOCs and maybe the the forefront of new education types uh, in the future maybe we also get an update on brandon's top 10 mookies uh in the world we'll, we'll see if we get uh, an update on that as well uh, thank you so much for listening a topic we'll come back to again in the future for sure uh, you can find us on twitter at trending and of course trending in again thanks so much for listening to trending in education